and welcome to the Living and Working Abroad podcast for expats relocating overseas, investing offshore property and or retiring in somewhere nice and sunny. This is Parak Sam uh, bringing you this week's podcast from our studio in uh, Cyprus, Western Cyprus, overlooking the Mediterranean. My sunset today, I'm calling a dog and bear. A magnificent golden yellow uh, uh, cloud, golden sunset. I'm going to post it on my Instagram account. If you don't follow us yet, you can go to Instagram and find our profile, Proact Sam Says. Proact Sam Says for insights and and, uh, connections for expat business and uh, families living and working abroad. So go and have a look at those dog and bear uh, sunsets and see what a beautiful time and view I'm having from my studio as I record this podcast for you tonight. And our topic is EU Brexit for expats. Um, The Game of Thrones continues uh, this week, having looked as though everything was uh, calming down and settling into uh, a, a steady path in at the EU Council meeting at the end of March, suddenly war has broken out. The Barnier is preening himself in in Ireland. The Lords are grumbling, and it looks as though uh, Theresa May have had her day. So let's have a look at some of those issues of, of what's going on. The options uh, for Brexit um, for the as far as the UK were concerned sorry all the issues are around what's the future trade deal going to be like so we've got a, a withdrawal treaty draft in place and and the key issue is is now what's the arrangements around issues like Gibraltar Spain and uh, the UK have made a, a, t- a tentative agreement there's uh, cooperative um, arrangements coming forward from Cyprus with them signing a draft um, revised double taxation treaty to be implemented in the next year or two. The, the one thorny issue that's holding up the whole of the, the Brexit campaign is, is the Irish border issue. Before uh, the UK and Ireland joined the EU at the same time, there was an open border Okay, there was gun running, there was IRA running, there was uh, smuggling going on, but that that was Ireland at the time, and and it's been going on for for ever since uh, Northern Ireland partition in 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 the island of Ireland was 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 taken place in the nineteen twenties. The Ireland. Act, the Great Britain Island Act of 1949, allowed free movement of people, goods and services between the two countries. And Britain is the biggest trade customer for Ireland and vice versa. And so they're very keen to keep that going. The problem is with Brexit, the EU are getting in the way. And to stoke things up a bit more, Barnier preened himself around Ireland at the beginning of May um, on his Easter uh, vacation and May Day holidays. Uh, to go to the south, meet with the Prime Minister, go into the north, not meet with the political leaders there, um, and and talk in impassioned terms about how important 
open borders in Ireland were. Um, but the EU proposal uh, of a solution to have the EU border down the Irish Sea and keep Northern Ireland within the EU and the EU Customs Union uh, it, it has been rejected by the UK. The, UK. the EU failed to understand, the EU Commission that is, how important an issue that this was, that this, this border has never existed in trading terms. When I was when I was young, um, you know, and I spent a lot of time at my grand grandmother's farm, and uh, even as a, like three, four, five, six year old, all allowed, always allowed to go out to play and and be, and the the cottage, the end of the garden went into the one of the fields that belonged to the the, the farming family. My grandfather was a farmer. And we were allowed to go to the end of the field in which the cows were grazing. Um, the end of the field was up a hill. So it was quite an exciting adventure for some young kids to go climbing to the top of this hill and get to the privet hedge at the top and look over the top. But we were never allowed to go over the top. We, we were told at the time so that the grandmother could always see us. What we actually learned, in fact, is that this was the border. Um, there were no wires, there were no fences, there were no trump walls, there were no armed guards, there were no no man's lands that you've got in North Korea. There was my grandfather's fence and over the side was a grass that looked exactly the same, except it was in Northern Ireland, not Southern Ireland. Um, so the, the island has always been an open country. There was free trade, uh, funniest one was the only time was during the IRA troubles my uncle drove collected me from Dublin airport to drive me to the uh, the family home and he's and uh, he was just driving along and he went quiet he said just just duck down a bit and uh, this was the height of the troubles and it's because we're driving through Cross McGlen which at the time was uh, a dreadfully uh, dangerous place for people apparently British to to be anyway uh the, the open border has always existed in Northern Ireland. It's only the EU that that is now creating the problem. Now, the EU could find a solution to find a way uh, to allow the the open border to be maintained in Ireland. The Northern Irish want it. The Southern Irish want it. The EU want it. The UK want it. So they just have to find a way. But instead, we get the politics and the preening and the posturing. And um, there is this potential Irish veto of the Majora Treaty that they're holding out into the bitter end. And this is the one key thing that, that's at the root heart of all the problems and dragging um, the whole uh, uh, situation of Brexit into uh, a big area of uncertainty for everybody. Because this affects everybody. Everybody in Britain... Every expat, the three million expats, EU expats living and working in Britain, the one million British expats living and working in the EU, and and the 500 million EU citizens that have got a concern about whether they can live and work freely and include the UK and Northern Ireland in that. Th these are all real issues that, that, that need to be addressed. So there should be a way, and, uh, you know, the way I see it, I mean, I've not seen anybody come up with this, but it's actually fairly simple. But if you look, there are, there are already uh, British uh, have customs people in Brussels and in France for the Channel Tunnel. Um, 
the the French have uh, customs people in Calais for for traffic going going to to France within the EU. Um, there's there's no reason why accommodations can't be made. I'm sure you've driven around the country, whether it's Cyprus, whether it's the UK or Ireland, and you'll see custom stations, you'll see way stations. So sure, um, uh, you know, a, 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 a delivery can, can take place at, at, at a port, say Felixstowe in England, one of the biggest container ports. The, the containers come in sealed and they don't get opened until the until they get to the distribution centre or the factory or the point of delivery. They're custom sealed, and then they're opened and and they're assessed and the, the custom assessment is made. Now, if that can go on uh, at a port miles from uh, uh, the point of entry into the country, there's no reason why an arrangement can't be made for for Northern Ireland, and it doesn't need to be that that complicated. When you look at countries like Dubai, they have a free trade area. So what the idea there is that they have a big shipping port and an airport and uh, uh, companies are encouraged to trade, bring their ships and bring their air goods through Dubai um, without any customs tariffs, without any customs checks. It's just that they can't, they can unload their, their, their containers, can unload their stock but they can't take it out of the warehouse at the airport or, or at the harbour. They can only hold it there and then ship it on to the next location. Um, and this is the, the, the principle of a free trade port. There's no customs as long as the goods stay within the, the, the free trade area. Um, and the, the, the benefit to Dubai is they get the traffic, they get the, the fees from ships and aeroplanes docking and they get the custom of, of the people travelling in and out of, of the port. Now, it's not difficult. This has been going on for many, many years in lots of different countries in different ways. So the principle of Northern Ireland effectively being a free trade port um, for, North, for Southern Ireland so that uh, goods and services could... Uh, arise uh, um, when the goods enter into into Northern Ireland, and and be and be taxed once they get into Southern Ireland, is not beyond the the realms of possibility, and vice versa, that uh, an export from Southern Ireland could go through uh, Belfast in Northern Ireland, and 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 be taxed at that point. It's not but the realms of possibility, and all that they need to do then is agree about local trade and local arrangements. Um, but the EU have got very, very, very many special arrangements with Switzerland, Norway uh, and, and Canada, but also with the city-states within the EU, which are not members of the EU, but are in effect uh, part of the customs unions. City-states like San Marino, Andorra, Vatican City, um, and Monaco uh, all enjoy uh, the freedoms um, of, of movement within that. Northern Ireland is a bit bigger, but it's not that much bigger. And, uh, you know, the, the, there must be a way that, that the parties can find to resolve that solution. The two options that the UK wanted uh, for the trade deal 
uh, a partnership or an open border have both been rejected by the EU um, or, or by the by themselves. Uh, so, you know, th there's no option there as well. So if all three options uh, of future trade have been uh, rejected, then there needs to be a fourth way for the for the governments to agree. And this is what's holding it up. But again, th there is the elephant in the room that the EU is a trading bloc. It is not, it doesn't make the laws and doesn't have the international, uh, the weight of international law on trade agreements. They're set by the World Trade Organization about international treaties between governments around the world. What expats should remember is that uh, uh, laws on uh, visas, travel for holiday home, um, you know, a holiday visa of three months is generally standard all around the world. Um, they've got uh, uh, the World Trade Organization has a set of tariffs which, which countries can operate on in the event of a, a bilateral agreement. Um, and and these transcend what the EU d does. The EU is, is a cosy club. It's a cartel. And much is made about the free trade area of the EU, but actually to get into the EU is expensive, very expensive. And this is why uh, the EU uh, have got a problem with the UK leaving, because the UK are contributing about 100 billion a year to the EU budget. And they've got to find a way of generating more revenue after, uh, after Brexit, because the UK won't be paying. Uh, interestingly enough, in the last week or so, they come up with a proposal. What they intend to do next year is simplify VAT within the EU. VAT is an EU sales tax. Um, and this simplification would raise an extra 100 million in tax from the remaining EU 27 countries. So welcome to the EU. Glad of Brexit uh, that that tax burden won't fall on uh, the the United Kingdom, if you're a Brexiteer, um, so the the the, the customs union, uh, a, 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 um, the customs union of the EU, is where the EU negotiates one trade agreement for all twenty seven member states, with all the members of other countries around the world. There is no reason. Um, sorry, we, we, outside Brexit, the UK can have a, a trade agreement with USA, with Canada, with Australia, with Libya, with South uh, uh, America, with India, with China, with Russia, uh, with each country, and it can make its own agreement. The, the EU 27 remaining countries can't do that. They have to go by the EU rule book. They have to follow the EU uh, prescription for for uh, the, the trade agreements. And while it's it's a free trade within it, it's actually very expensive to get in and out, uh, which you may have heard Mr. President Bush talk about. So uh, it's maybe the EU is not the be-all and the end-all. So the, the, the EU needs to um, find a, a way to, to come up with a solution for the UK. Um, and for me, as I see, the, the one essence is that at the moment, 
the, the UK have got all the EU rules in place. And so on that basis, the, the, the EU could sign a trade agreement with the UK on the first day after the transitional agreement to say that uh, we'll keep all these rules in place um, as they are. The one thing that the British would want would be uh, a right to diverge away from the EU stance and not stay in the same rules uh, under the dictatorship of the EU Commission. Not a good word to use, but that's how I feel. The the, the what the EU want is they they want external members like Norway or Monaco uh, to be a, offer them a part of the EU customs union um, with no right to amend that customs union. The UK wants sovereignty. They want to regain sovereignty of the sovereignty of their own country to make their own laws and their own judgments free of the European Court of Justice, the Supreme Court in the EU and, and free of the EU Commission, the unelected uh, policymaker within the EU. So that, that that's what the essence is. So that there is, in, in practice, um, what's going to happen is we've just about still got Brexit on track, um, but we've got politics being played. Common sense needs to break out. Now, it could be that as business, small and large, and as people around Europe, uh, both EU expats in, in the UK and UK expats abroad, uh, but big business as well, get a bit fed up with, with the politics and they call for a winding up and an agreement to be made. They call for the EU Commission to stop politicking and stop giving UK such a hard time to make an agreement that works for the EU, works for the UK, but most importantly, works for the 500 million people within the EU. And, and these pressures will, will come about and, 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 and could allow Brexit to go ahead and a new customs union to be created. The important thing is, is that once Brexit takes place in the UK, the politics will change. At the moment, there's a consensus of British politicians towards Brexit with uh, 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 the, the, the Remainers trying to play their politics to, to not leave in the first place. Um, but once Brexit happens and Britain goes into the transitional agreement, then first of all, uh, the politicians can get on with having a new election, appointing new prime ministers, whether it's of the Conservative Party or whether it's of the a new election and a new party come to power. Um, that will change things dramatically. The transition period doesn't end till, till the end of 2020. And we have a scenario where Brexit could happen and the UK does go out of the, the EU it's under the transition treaty, it stays in the customs union, it's bound by the rules without having any say to influence them till the end of 2020 for 21 months. It could be that by default with the British internal politics and the EU uh, search for uh, retaining the status quo, could well be that that transition agreement is then just renewed 
and renewed again. And it could just become the new norm, the new long-term way that that uh, it, Britain's relationship with the EU is, is retained. Britain will have its independence, but only to trade with the people around the world. Um, and that's at the essence of it. And that's the issue that that is is dogging the uncertainty at the moment. Expats want certainty uh, from Brexit. There's now just um, 10 months to Brexit day and, and expats shouldn't hold back. So here's a few things expats, just a reminder, a few things that expats should be doing towards Brexit. If you've got a business, work out how, it, how you want it to work. Social insurance arrangements, tax arrangements uh, will will still be the same. They will still exist after Brexit. Uh, uh, tax and social insurance treaties are independent of that. So you can still trade within the EU and, and the UK. So how is that going to affect your business and what's the best way to organise and get that operating going forward? Uh, nothing will change during the transition period, but you need to start planning ahead because after Brexit date, expats need to realise that their their options may change. So expats living and working uh, in the UK or Brits living and working in the UK should consider uh, a permanent residency status now or, and, and so that the resident in the UK or in the EU country like Cyprus before Brexit date, which then allows them to start the clock to qualify for a permanent residency or a dual citizenship at some point or a settled status at some point in the future after five years in the UK, for example, or in Cyprus five years for permanent residency or seven years for citizenship. But remember, some countries don't like, don't allow dual citizenship. So for expats in Holland and Austria and Germany, the, your, your options aren't quite as, as fluid and, and open. Another consideration is, is protecting assets. Free, uh, um, th th there won't be an introduction of exchange controls, but there's different ways of um, treating assets that are held in, in a foreign country. Generally in the EU, there's forced airship, so assets can only pass down the family line in a prescribed way, which may be absolutely fine for your family, but where you've got second marriages and you've got uh, children and grandchildren that are in marriages that could be ending divorce, where you've got dementia, where you've got uh, a potential bankruptcy from business, how can you protect your assets in the EU and in the UK from family changes going forward, given that the, the, the laws um, are already diverged since 2015, common reporting standards are making tax compliance much harder. How can you protect your family's income and capital uh, going forward so that you can enjoy... Um, your money today and that knowing that you protected your loved ones down the line so reviewing wills considering trust arrangements and and reviewing your, your business organization is something that, that we can help you with at uh, proax living and working abroad uh, business 
So that's three things for you to look out for. Uh, consider your immigration status, uh, plan your taxes, your social insurance, your health care. It will be retained during transition period, but you need to get yourself in place before the end of March so that you can enjoy the future rights that you want and consider how you will protect those assets with different laws that might diverge even more than than the path that's set on since 2015 when uh, forced airship became much more common in uh, EU countries than traditional UK and, and Ireland um, uh, Anglo-Saxon uh, traditions. This is Sam Orgill from the Living Working Broad blog. I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope it's been really exciting. I hope you go on our Instagram, uh, Project Sam Says, and look for the dog and bear sunset. It's quite magnificent, I can assure you. Um, and, and, and I hope you've enjoyed this and I hope you tune in and listen next Thursday to uh, more expat uh, advice on our Living and Working Abroad podcast uh, available through our iTunes or SoundCloud. Uh, thanks very much. Go to our, our blog and our website at projectpartnership.com and you'll find out lots more content and lots more information. Thanks very much and have a great day.